first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Micah, chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Hear now the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. As for the prophets who lead my people astray, if one feeds them, they proclaim peace. If he does not, they prepare to wage war against him. Therefore, night will come over you without visions and darkness without divination. The sun will set for the prophets and the day will go dark for them. The seers will be ashamed and their diviners disgraced. They will all cover their faces because there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. The second scripture reading this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 20. Hear now the word of the Lord. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that's illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up sleeper and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you all pray with me one more time? Gracious God, we give you thanks for the gift that you've given us through your holy scriptures. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears and our hearts to what you've told us through them. And Lord, I pray that you would, you would let my words reflect nothing other than your glory, that they would be entirely for you. Lord, bless this time and use it to draw each of us back to you. In your son's name. So this is the fifth week now that we've been looking at the book of Ephesians. Seems like it's gone pretty fast in my opinion. I don't know about for y'all. But we've covered a lot of ground so far. Now remember we're not just looking at Ephesians for the sake of looking at the book. We're looking at it in the context of trying to figure out what it means to be claimed by God as a member of his household of faith. What are all of the different implications? Now, we could talk about this forever. In fact, we probably will continue to talk about what it means to be a part of the household of faith. That's kind of what we do in church. But we've covered so far the things that Paul has told us we need to know. We started off by talking about the fact that in Christ we have an amazing blessing, but that because of our fallenness we don't understand it. We talked about what it means to have a great inheritance through him, 
And how in order to understand those blessings, we have to better come to understand God. We talked about our faith being rooted in love. Both the love of Christ for us and the love of us for God that develops as we go. And last week we looked at spiritual gifts. In particular, the gift of teachers that God has given us in the church. That's so important for us to remember that we have special gifts that we've been given by God for the sake of other people. Spiritual gifts are oriented outward. They're not things that are meant for our benefit, although we have those blessings in Christ too. These are things that we are equipped to do so that we can go and help other people to see Christ. But being claimed by God is not just about what we do. If it was, then anyone who was charitable or kind or merciful could claim to be claimed. But we know that that's not the case because we know that our faith is not about what we can do, but rather about what Christ has done and what God is doing within us. So, knowing that, we can know that being claimed, we can know that our faith involves an inner change, not just a change of behavior. It's an inward change that yields outward effects. Well, in many ways, today's scripture ends at the same place as last week's. External actions are important, it tells us, to build up other people. And this leaves us with a call to try and understand God's will and then do what pleases the Lord. Paul says this in an interesting way by telling us to live as children of the light. It's kind of an odd phrase. This is one of those things that probably would have made more sense to the Ephesians who were hearing it for the first time than it does to us, because Ephesus was a place of much philosophy, and they talked about things like light and darkness all the time in a way that we don't necessarily do. But it's a really meaningful thing that Paul says here when he says to live as children of the light. And he explains that what he means by this is simple. He means be wise. He says, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. How simple. What a simple thing to say, and yet something that we can pursue for our whole lives and never fully get there. Thankfully, he doesn't just leave us with that small commandment of be wise. He goes on to say what that involves. He says that wisdom means making the most of every opportunity. It means being temperate and self-controlled, but not somber. Being spirited instead, motivated in your joy by God rather than anything else. He says that wisdom means encouraging each other in the church and reminding each other of God's presence in their lives. It means rejoicing and praising God in every moment, whether that's easy and joyful or hard in those moments of trial and turmoil. And he says that wisdom is remembering to be thankful for the gifts that God has given. See, this is the other side to last week. When we said that spiritual gifts were things that were given to us by the Spirit, things that we were equipped to do for the sake of others, 
These are things that we're given by the Spirit and by spending time with God for our sake, for the sake of our own inner lives. But these two things can't be separated. They're two parts of the same whole. And of all these moments, all these things of wisdom that Paul lists, the first one shows a connection between last week and this week. And when he says this, he says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. What he's saying is see every opportunity every day as an opportunity to show hope to a hopeless world. The picture that we got in our first scripture reading from Micah paints a dark picture of a world where the people have fled from God and God's blessing has been removed from them and the days are dark is what it says. The prophets are no longer prophesying and when they claim to be what they're actually doing is just looking for money. It talks about days in which Everything has fled from the way it's supposed to be. And then he says, but I will send a per- uh, I will come as a beacon of light. I will come to illuminate things because God's hand has not been fully removed. There is light in this dark world. If we look around us now, what we can see is that Paul is correct when he says that we, are, we have an opportunity to show hope to a hopeless world. When you look around and you see the things that Paul lists here, fruitless deeds, shameful behavior, faith that's been lost and trust that's been broken, you can know that these are experiences that people are having every single day. There have been a couple of high-profile ones in the past couple of weeks of people who were once Christian leaders who led people in faith who've now renounced it and stepped back because what they were doing was trying to carry the burden of other people's spiritual lives on themselves rather than pointing it to Christ. But when they made their statements, these people were talking largely about communities that weren't answering their questions, that weren't meeting their needs. But when you look back at what Paul says about wisdom, imagine what a community that's built on that wisdom would look like. A community where people do make the most of every opportunity. Where they are joyful in the spirit above all else. Where they encourage each other and point one another back towards God at every moment. Where they rejoice and celebrate and praise God for what he's done and remember to be thankful for what he's given to each and every one of them. (coughs) Imagine how amazing a community built on that wisdom would be to a world that's been darkened by hopelessness, to a world that's lost its faith. I've seen the power that a community like this can have. I knew a person who was about my age, just a little bit older than me, who lived in Arlington, Texas, uh, which is a city between Dallas and Fort Worth, home of the Texas Rangers. Uh, And this guy, he worked on, he worked at a college campus, and when he looked around at recent graduates and at current students, what he saw was a lack of community. 
he saw people who couldn't find a place to fit in, couldn't find an opportunity to connect with each other, and who were feeling beaten down and discouraged by everything that they saw and didn't have anyone to help build them back up. And so he and his wife decided that they were going to try something different. And they started inviting people over to their house for dinner. They did this through their church. They worked with people in their church to make sure that uh, the word could get out so that people would know that this opportunity was here. And the first week, I think they said they had three couples that came to this dinner church kind of experience. But as the weeks went on, they started to get more and more people who were coming. And this wasn't just a once a week kind of thing either. This was a place where relationships were formed, where people came together for the purpose of focusing on God and building community. But then as they went back out into their weeks where they before had found no support and no hope, they kept in touch with each other and encouraged each other. They demonstrated the wisdom that Paul talks about here, which is that faith in community is stronger than faith, of, uh, faith without. But see, Paul isn't just talking about community here. This is something different. This is something deeper. Paul is talking about a substant uh, substantive change in our lives. That coming to know Christ in a deep way changes everything. It doesn't just change our behavior, and it doesn't just change the communities that we're a part of. It changes our very selves down to our cores. It's the same thing when you look back at Jesus' ministry. When he healed lepers, he didn't just heal their appearance. He didn't just take away the wounds on their skin. He cured the underlying disease. See, leprosy is a disease that takes away a person's ability to feel pain. Or to feel anything, for that matter. And so as people went about their daily lives and they got small injuries, things that would have been easy to treat, they didn't notice. And those injuries festered and swelled, and they suddenly were very different looking people than they were before. And as this happened to them, they were cast out of their community. They were forbidden from coming to the temple. And their health continued to decline as they were alone. But Jesus came to the lepers, and he cured not just those flesh wounds, but he cured them entirely, their whole selves, so that they could come back into community, so that they could be a part of the temple life, so that they could come back to not only the people around them, but back into full relationship with God as well. See, the power of the Spirit changes us like a leper that's been healed, or as Paul says, here, like a person who's been woken up. But being awakened, being awoken is a big change. The days are dark, like Micah says, with division and anger and sadness all around us. But the Holy Spirit shines a light in a dark world, which is great. But it brings all of the shortcomings 
all of the emptiness and all of the needs of the dark world into full view. And we, friends, can't just go along with them. When I was young, I was a person who very much liked to follow rules. I've always been a rule follower, and it was because I thought that it was the right thing to do. I was strict with my own time and with my behavior. I was legalistic. I had very clear, clearly defined boundaries between right and wrong. And that's fine, but what wasn't fine was that I was also judgmental about this, and I looked at other people and said, I want nothing to do with you if you don't come to my standards. But as I came to live in the Spirit, as I grew in my walk of faith and began to look around and see a dark world illuminated by the light of Christ, I began to see people not as people to be pushed away, but as people that needed to be brought closer not only to me, but to Christ. For me, the Spirit illuminated my need to love other people while still keeping those boundaries. Friends, what is the Spirit illuminating in your life today? What are the things that you may have been blind to all around that as you walk in faith, and come to know Christ more fully, you might start to see. Who are the people in your life who stand alone and need community? Who are the people around us who are hungry and need food? And friends, look all around and you'll see people who are in deep, deep need of something to fill their empty spirits. Let the Spirit of God illuminate these places in your life and know that you were once darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Amen. There are two major parts of this that Paul lifts up. The first is that you have to care about caring for others. You're not just called to be illuminated internally, but you're called to be a light in the world as Christ is a light in our lives. We're called to go and reflect that hope, reflect that joy and that opportunity, that fullness of life into everybody that we meet. And then second, you have to keep a tight grip on your own actions in pursuit of God. Paul is clear about this. Yes, we have to go out into the world, but we can't let ourselves be changed in such a way that draws us away from God. Because at the end of the day, what we're called to do is live as children of the light. To be changed by the Spirit so that we might change the world. So as you go out from here today, I want to invite you to look for the places in your life that the Spirit is illuminated. To look for the things that you are being drawn to and called to, and the ways that you might serve God in every part of your life. And I want to invite you, as you do so, to remember that the way that you can be a light is the same way that a city on a hill can be a light for the world around it. By being an example of what can
plan B. To go with God and go in the Spirit. And let that be your source of joy 